Larry wants to know, can your guests explain what this alleged mud flood was or is? Is that tied in with the Noah and the rains and stuff? So the, the notion of mud floods, it's another fascinating topic. It is a big movement of people that think basically our entire history is a lie. Yeah. And, and I think history is similar to all the other studies where uh, you have people that have been in charge of, of writing it. And a lot of people just accept it for what it is. When I think just like the other areas of science, we need to question it. The, the notion of mud floods is that basically we have a reset every couple hundred years where um, kind of like the great reset that they're talking about doing now where there is an awakening of the people and then the elites um, crack down on it, kill a large portion of the population and start it all over with a smaller group of people. If you think of the Georgia Guidestones where right. it talks about getting the population down to 500 million or 500,000 was it 500,000 or 500 million? I can't remember, but, but essentially uh, restarting the, the population. There's a lot of people that think the last reset, the last mud flood reset um, happened in like the mid to late 1800s where you had essentially the expiration of the West, the orphan trains and things like that. And that a lot of the, um, a lot of the structures that are around in the Americas actually predate when they say they were, well, they actually don't say they were built. They say a lot of these things were founded, which is possibly kind of some, uh, some word spell of like these things were found. So if you think of all these like beautiful courthouses in the West and that they were built around the time that all we had was horse and buggy, I think it, it, there are a lot of really interesting points that I think all this stuff is a lot older than it possibly was. And um, the, I don't know that the term mud flood comes from the fact that a lot of these buildings have ground halfway to three yeah. quarters of the way up the first floor oh, yeah. and which has windows that? in yeah. it. Yeah. Which has windows in it and things like that. I've heard theory. Well, before I heard of mud floods, I had heard like in the, the town or the city of Chicago prior to having underground plumbing had to raise hmm. their, their streets up uh, 18 feet or something like that in order to allow for new underground plumbing systems. And to me, that would account for a lot of these raised first floors. Um, and, and now all these entrances are built into the second floor. But what, do, what is not accounted for is the level of extravagance of these buildings and just phenomenal architecture, phenomenal building in a way that we just don't build anymore. So um, mud flood, that's where, the, that's where the mud flood comes from, but it's a broader term that really refers to this notion that we might have had reset after reset after reset and that our history is just a lie agreed upon. Yeah, and so that really gives a lot of credence to the idea of, um, the ether or divine spirit, whatever you want to say, has got enough energy to do everything, obviously, right? It's just mm -hmm. how God manifests here in the physical. And they figure out how to take that juice out and, and have energy. I mean, they couldn't have built yes. these huge castles and structures without energy, right, Matt? I mean, they couldn't have yeah. done that. Yeah, totally. And I think I, I'm big, like I said earlier, on seeing the motive in things. And I picture myself, if I was kidnapped and woke up tomorrow in a room that I didn't fall asleep in, 
first thing I would try to do is figure out where am I, <laughs> all right? So that's the notion of them trying to put us in a box that we don't we don't understand. And then also like, how long have I been out? Like, what, what time is it? <laughs> yeah, you know, trying to correlate my senses to where I am and when I am. And so, man, I see the motive there to the elites trying to confuse us on what that actually is because it makes us less powerful. Makes us less powerful. And the original idea, if you go back to the Copernicus thing, uh, people have argued that if you, that we souls were just getting too smart for our bitches or too spiritually evolved <laughs> some years ago, and they wanted to create this idea that we were, our hair was on fire and we're hurtling through space with, you know, and God did this poof thing billions of years ago, which makes sense, yes. right? Yeah, so to, to relate that, Biblically, if you read Romans one twenty, it mm-hmm. talks about how we can get to know the invisible attributes of God through His creation, through the things that were made. And so, if that's the case, if we can get to know God through the things that were made, you know, Psalm nineteen one, the heavens declare the glory of God. It talks about how the, the heavens are literally speaking to us in every language. Um, if if the devil can dilute what that creation actually is, then he dilutes our understanding of God. And the way you dilute something is you pour it into something bigger, like infinite space, and you teach people that they're merely statistical probabilities of an ever-expanding, potentially wow. infinite universe, yeah. Yeah. as opposed to being sons of God, like the Bible says yes. we can become. Yes. Uh, that's a big difference. Uh, cosmic accident, sons of the creator God, you know. So, you know, it's very plausible. We were just getting too evolved, and these controller crazy control issue people, they weren't having it, you know? Say, oh, well, let's, we can create something. And then you, you know, have NASA, Carl Sagan, and on and on, and moon landings and whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. George Orwell's 1984 talks about how reality is in the skull. He's he's having an interview with the elites, and they talk about how they have two different cosmologies, and they use whichever one they want for whatever makes the most sense for their narrative at the time. And so it sounded to me like George Orwell was was a flat earther, and <laughs> there's some interesting talks talking in there. But yeah, they say like we control the mind, or excuse me, we control. It talks about something about controlling people because we control the mind. That sure. reality is in, is all in the skull. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And my my experience is the mind is an invisible. Where the mind isn't physical. It's only the software. The brain is the hardware. Sure. And you can program that baby any way you want. You know, and they do. We're seeing that. I mean, they don't call them radio programs for nothing. Right. <laughs> right. Television programs for nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Can you stick around a few minutes longer? Absolutely. Cool, man. Let's do this. Matt Long is with us, and uh, we'll give you all his uh, places you can go to visit him after after this one. This is one of our favorite things. I don't know if you know this, but hydrogen, hydrogen is the, the number one molecule in the universe whatever this universe is and wherever it is the number one molecule it is hydrogen and not oxygen but it's hydrogen very powerful and you can breathe it and uh, breathe the gas and and get some yourself this is from a previous show with dr mark circus so three months ago a study that was published in dove press brain metastasis completely disappear 
in non-small cell lung cancer using hydrogen gas inhalation. A case study done in China, a 44-year-old woman diagnosed with multiple metastases. What, what's a metastasis? means it's spread. It's, it's, it's spreading. It's, it's, it's spreading. not just one two tumors. You have multiple tumors. Uh-huh. The kind of case where there's no hope. Doctors give up hope. Complete remission using hydrogen gas. Really? In terms of brain cancer, and of course, in my hydrogen book, which people can download from my site, quite a bit of information about using hydrogen for cancer. And the many reasons and studies that lead up to that. But this, this study that I'm talking about today, it's, um, it's like taking a two-by-four two and smashing it over the sign of modern oncology. Like, wake up, boys. Here's something simple, something you should be doing anyway, that happens to help people with the worst forms of cancer almost doomed to die. If these studies on breathing hydrogen gas and cancer cells are accurate, imagine the possibilities of what this technology can do for you and I when we breathe it and drink the water. Peer-reviewed studies have shown it's the best antioxidant known to man. What exactly is it doing? I have no idea. We have the AquaCure, Brown's Gas, Hydrogen. Let me interrupt you, uh, talk show host. You just talk way too much. Um, <laughs> it's on sale right now, the AquaCure Hydrogen Brown's Gas Machine, 20% off. Uh, I talk about this. We've been blessed to be able to be breathing this guy for uh, breathing the gas and drinking the water for, oh my goodness, I guess about two, two and a half years now, two and a half years. And it's, you can imagine the, uh, all of the contraptions and the potions and things that people have sent me over my 50 years of doing radio stuff. Um, you know, people send you stuff because they want you to talk about it. And this is the most um, effective um, technology that I've ever used. And after two and a half years, I still breathe it every day. I was breathing it this morning and make the water that I'm drinking it's it's there's a lot going on here and it's uh, so much we don't know but hydrogen is a is the first in my opinion the first manifestation of divine spirit in the physical world and um it's powerful on sale right now promo code one radio promo code one radio on one radio network.com um the aqua cure hydrogen browns gas machine 20 percent off and it'll get you that puppy um, one of the things that we're dealing with in on this earth, earth plane is um, uh, all of the the uh, damage that is being done to the food because you know these boys, these these people, you know they've got this whole I thing as as Matt alluded to that um, uh, you know they they just think there's too many people, you know they they just think there's too many, but. Um, so they, you know, they do, they do things like uh, glyphosates and, and all of that. Uh, so it's a challenge, but we have so many um, technologies that help us 
to deal with these kind of things. And that's a God thing too, right? We always have, God always gives us ways to deal with challenges. Thus, one of the my favorite spiritual laws is there's always a way. There's always a way, even when we feel like there's no way, there's always a way. It's the my favorite, as I said. Uh, so these glyphosates in the food, and we have a little product we've been promoting for 10 years that helps deal with that. Previously with Stephanie Seneff, Ph.D., research scientist with MIT on her work with glyphosates, GMO, and sulfur. I know you really care about sulfur, and so do I. You know, I really think sulfur is crucial for health and that we have a massive problem with sulfur deficiency in this country. Uh, One of the proteins that I found that is disrupted by glyphosate because it has an essential glycine is sulfotransferase. That's a protein that moves sulfate from one molecule to another. But it's really, really important to be able to do that. And why wouldn't it be able to do it? Because the glyphosate disrupts the the natural sulfur cycle in our body? The cell won't be able to defend itself with sulfate if it can't put the sulfate there. And of course, glyphosate chelates sulfurs. A perfect storm in the challenges department, perhaps, but we're getting creative. So we know that we've been low on sulfur for years because of the chemical fertilizers. And now the GMO thing, which is disrupting the sulfur cycle. And we know with sufficient amounts of sulfur in the body, it's the natural way that the body gets these heavy metals, for example, mercury and mercury sulfate, out of the body if we have enough sulfur. Click and order sulfur today on oneradionetwork.com. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is oneradionetwork.com. Indeed it is. Uh, Matt, thanks for being here this morning. Really enjoying talking to you, Matt Long. And uh, if you care to uh, talk to him, you can do it, Patrick, at oneradionetwork.com or call 888-663-6386. Trying to look for your email so I can list all the different things you got going on here. Uh, Where is it? Where is it? Tell folks about your little contact things here as I'm looking for it. Sorry. Sure. Oh, oh, I finally found it. Okay, you have Facebook.com, Matt, Matt, right? Yeah, yeah. So you can find me at Matt Long Texas on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Telegram. You've also got the the link to my book, The House That Jesus Built, which you can basically just Google Matt Long, The House That Jesus Built, and it'll pop right up there. It's on Amazon. There you go. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and UB2B. Now, we kind of know that old Elon is a globalist, but maybe he's got religion and is going to uh, open up some uh, freedom of speech. What do you think? Well, I see it as, you know, they're definitely pushing him on us as our, yeah, yeah. what looks like the populist savior, billionaire, philanthropist, whatever you mm. want to call him. Uh, I'm definitely weary of anything that that becomes popular, uh, including Elon Musk, though he is way more entertaining to to listen to than some of those other guys. That's right. Somebody sent me a video. I I sorry it happened really late. Otherwise, I'd put it and we could watch it uh, of SpaceX shooting a rocket up that hits the firmament. Have you seen that one? I mean, I mean yes, I've seen the one where it's like a night launch. And you can see the the water spray looks like a bullet entering into water. Yeah. I mean, he's probably not the sharpest tool in the shed if 
if you're going to shoot up a rocket that you know is going to hit the top of a, the firmament, why would you well, do that? Why would you do that? I don't even. I, I I think a lot of those things, some of them are actually naturally occurring um, phenomena in our sky. Oh, okay. If you look back at some of the ancient drawings, it looks a lot like um, looks like some really interesting stuff that's actually been documented on uh, you know ceilings and walls of, of ancient structures, and that now they're using SpaceX to explain away the strange phenomena that's happening in the sky. I see. I see. So it doesn't necessarily have to be what, what we're seeing. Of course, these days with all of the CGI and film and editing, and man, we have no idea what, what's real. I mean, the whole thing is made up, right? <laughs> it is. We live in such a strange time where what's on screens has such authority in our lives and and we give it that authority by how much time we we absorb what's on those screens and by the sources that that we subscribe to and i definitely through through my 20s i had a worldview that i constantly gained reassurance by by going to those specific places by going to science by going to uh, godless leaders and and now i've just decided that you know uh, I'm going to evaluate the source of all my information. I believe that I've found the source of truth in the Bible. And so I'm going to use that as my litmus test anytime something comes out. And if it doesn't align, well, then I'm going to question it. And that questioning could lead me in a direction I wasn't previously thinking about, but it's healthy to question. The Bible tells us to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good and let God be true and every man a liar. So it is, it is healthy to do that. And honestly, we, we are, we're required to do that. We're required to, if we have the ability, we then have the responsibility to determine if, if what we're absorbing is truth or if it is lies. And I think it's one of our greatest God-given abilities is to question and that you're not free unless you do. Yes, sir. Let's go to the phones. Uh, uh, good morning. Who's this? You're on the air. Good morning. This is Lee Ellen from uh, Oregon. Hi. You're on the air with Hi. Matt, Matt Long. Hi. Hi. Hi, Matt. I've been a hey, believer. Hey, how are you? I'm great. I've been a believer for 50 years, so I'm right with you on everything you say. Oh, wow, cool. Um, and I just since Patrick uh, found the flat Earth, I I went along with him on that ride. And okay, be careful and what you how far yeah. you when you go with me, girl. I can lead you down. <laughs> I can lead you down rabbit holes. <laughs> I, I have discernment too, you know. I know. So anyway, I my son has believed in the flat Earth for a long time, and I you know I allowed that. I you know I value his judgment, and and so I was. I wasn't immune to it. But anyway, my my thought was, 20 years ago, before Flat Earth was even talked about, I was down in Orlando, and I was in a swimming pool at night. And I, I've always loved watching the moon, and the moon was full. And I looked up in the sky, and I said, oh, great, a full moon. And then, you know, playing around in the water for another hour, I looked up again, and the moon was in the wrong spot. And I what is going on here? So, you know, I've always lived in the north, northern part of the country. 
And when you look at a full moon, it goes from your lo- you're looking south. No, wait, you're, it goes from the east to the west, but it goes from your left to your right. But in Florida, it was the opposite way. It was going from the right to the left. And I thought, well, the moon must be really close for that to be true. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Um, are you, do you want me to comment on that, or is there a question beyond well, that? Am I thinking correctly? I, I think that if you're in, uh, you know, coming from up north, going down to Florida, obviously the position of the moon as far as the height in the sky will be different. But however, I don't think you cross over any um, boundary where it should actually go a different direction. I do believe if you go south of the equator, so further out uh, or south, it depends on the time of the year because the moon will, will travel between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn, and it makes this trip once a month. So at, at any point, you would have to be south of the Tropic of Capricorn to experience, experience something opposite of what you experience up north. So um, that would be somewhere in South America. So um, if I believe personally that if, if you thought the moon should have been somewhere else, I think and please don't take offense to this. I think probably you were a little bit mistaken. However, I will say that, and, and I'm not saying you are, I will say that there are a lot of times when that moon's in the sky and maybe the, the phase is not lining up correctly with where the sun is. Um, I think, I do think going from Northern United States to Florida, you would experience it a little bit different, but I don't think it would, it would move across the sky in the opposite direction. Um, no, now, no, no, it's I'm, not possible. Saying, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I was facing south, being in Oregon, looking at the moon. Mm-hmm. And in Florida, I'm facing north. Okay, so if that's the case, then yeah, it was probably during a time of the month when the moon was closer to the Tropic of Cancer, which okay. is, is definitely possible. And so if you are able to orient yourself onto the other side, then it's going to look like the moon goes right to left instead of left to right. And so if you if you yeah. picture, let's, let's say you and I are sitting in a room at a conference table, I'm going to sit on one side and you're going to sit on the other, and we're going to put... Uh, we're going to project the moon on the ceiling between us and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to move it from left to right. And, but we're going to, we're going to say one side of the room is East. The other side of the room is West. I'm going to move it from left to right, according to where I am. And then you're going to sit on the other side of the table and you're going to see it move from right to left, but we're both going to see it move from East to West. That's exactly what I was thinking. So, Okay. So you're well, not crazy. Not, you're just one of us, girl. Crazy. Okay. <laughs> no, no, you're not crazy. In fact, let's say let's say I put a six. Let's say I put a number six on the ceiling, and I'm going to say, without a doubt, that's a number six. And you're going to yell at me and say, no, it's a number nine. Well, we're oh, both yeah, going to be yeah. right, but we're going to have different points of view from where we're viewing that from. Yeah. So the moon is really close. I, I definitely think the moon is close. Oh, I, I now remember the question um, that uh, you brought up, Patrick, is that um, I, I believe these things are, are much closer, right? And, and so it affects our ability to view them. It, just like we're talking about 
uh, talking about with this one, because things are closer, um, our, our experience with them is going to be a lot different, especially the sun, when you can see the, the sun rays going back to a smaller local sun when they're poking through the clouds. They're not coming in um, 90, parallel. 93 like a, million like miles sun. away. Yeah, yeah. Like they 93 million miles and a million times the size of the earth. So, um, <laughs> no, I, I definitely don't think you're crazy. Um, okay. if, I, if you were crazy, I'd have to be crazy too. <laughs> well, we're all crazy, sweetie. Thanks for calling, Ellen. We appreciate Matt Long, Patrick Timpone, One Radio Network. So I go out in the morning, sometimes here in Dripping Springs, walk towards the creek, and there are instances where I can see um, um, the sun over here, about 45 degrees, right? And the moon over here, about 45 degrees. I mean, does that, does that alone say that we are in an immovable plane that we're not circling around the sun? Or how does that even work? How do I see both of these guys at the same time? Yeah, I think there's a lot of issues with the heliocentric model because you have issues like that where the moon, I mean, the sun is 93 million miles away and the moon is only supposedly 240,000 miles away. And so you have these things of like, would light actually work like that on bodies that that are that close? Because essentially compared to where the sun is, the moon is basically touching the earth when you zoom out, you know, that far. And how does how does light get get there? I do think that they have their explanations. And so you're never going to, I don't think there's going to be a single piece of evidence where you say this proves flat earth that they don't also say, no, it actually proves the globe. globe like yeah. it's, that's, yeah. that's what you'll find. And so you're, you're going to have to decide can I trust my senses? Can I trust the Bible? Can I trust these instruments? And and what is my interpretation going to be? Because there's there's evidence, and then there's interpretation of evidence, which I talk about in my book. A lot of people think that when they watch the news, they're hearing evidence, they're hearing numbers, readings, measurements. No, they're hearing a biased interpretation of those numbers, readings, and measurements. But the amazing thing is, is that we've all been given the ability to interpret those things for ourselves. The experts are not any closer to the stars than we are. The experts are not any closer to the available information and studies that we are. So we get to make up our own mind. And that is a that is a freeing concept. Hmm. Indeed. His book is called The House That Jesus Built. You can go on Amazon if you uh, uh, purchase from them. and uh, Or if you don't like Amazon, you can go somewhere else. I'm sure you can find it other places, right, Matt? Where, where else? Yeah, just, just find me and come knock on my door. Just come, yeah, Matt will, Matt will just give you one um okay some other emails here what is your guest opinion of the nephilim n-e-p-h-i-l-i-m and did giants walk on the earth absolutely that's that's what led me to flat earth as i was researching the nephilim like i was obsessed is how you say that nephilim Nephilim. yes so when I commented earlier about the history of the Earth being more like Lord of the Rings instead of <laughs> Planet of the Apes, right. it had a lot to do with the Nephilim. And in Genesis 6, it talks about the sons of God um, taking daughters of men and having children. And these children were giants, men of renown, it calls them. And the, these cool. were the Nephilim. It was a race of half giant, half human that, according to some accounts in the Bible, created just um, – 
absurd size people you can all we all think of like goliath who they say was like nine or ten feet tall but there are stories that um when the israelites were trying to go into the promised land it said like we are grasshoppers compared to them well that's that is substantially more than 10 feet tall it also talks about how it compares them to uh, i can't remember it was like a sycamore tree or something something like talking like maybe like a hundred feet tall some of these things and i know really? it sounds totally ridiculous but when i was doing the research into that it's i was watching a lot of stuff by a guy who eventually got into flat earth and it's what led me to become a flat earther but um my my grandparents live in a used to live in a town when they were still alive called rockwall texas and which is just east of dallas and the reason it's called rockwall texas is because there is a giant rock wall that surrounds the the whole place it's it's huge hmm. um which now science tells us that it's a natural rock formation but if you go back and read the articles from i think it was late 1800s it talks about how they found this formation and it, it's like almost a perfect square around around the area and that they found skulls of giants so they found this basically layer layer that had um, a number of giant bones in it and then tons of regular human bones so they were like cannibalistic giants and it says that it was talking about so and so this farmer who still has one of the skulls on display at his property if you want to go see it <laughs> this was an article in there and um and now uh, that's where lake ray hubbard is so Whoa. the place where this this collection of bones used to be is now underwater and i think that happens a lot you know across uh, across this great land as they they use the army corps of engineers to flood areas to hide a lot of things and i think that happened there as well but there there is all kinds of um of testimonies with ancient cultures across especially the united states of, of these races of giants a lot of times being redheaded six fingers six toes on each hand and foot oh and multiple rows of teeth even uh, strange shaped skulls very very interesting stuff so have i looked in the nephilim do i believe it yes and yes so uh, from a biblical perspective when did the nephilim live this would have been pre-flood um so genesis 6 it it talks about it predating genesis 6 so genesis 6 we think was roughly 4,500 years ago, mm -hmm. 1,500 years after the creation of Adam. And so sometime between the fall in the Garden of Eden to the, the flood of Noah, um, this, this happened. The Book of Enoch gives a lot more detail on it. And it basically talks about how um, they, were, they were corrupting flesh. They were possibly creating hybrids so if you think of the the mythologies of half man half horse and, and things like that it's possible that these things were happening and that the reason noah was selected is because it says he was righteous in his generations or pure in his genealogy meaning he had not been mixed with the nephilim bloodline so highly interesting stuff again lord of the rings type stuff as opposed to planet of the yeah. apes and yeah and that part of the reason for the flood was to get rid of this demonic giant nephilim uh fallen angel bloodline <clears throat> oh yeah from and, a spiritual perspective so god created yes. the flood thing yeah okay. 
yeah, yeah uh, cleansing the earth of this. And and then you run into the, you know the the fact that there were still giants around uh, after the flood, you know, with Goliath and things like that. And um, it's possible that either there was they talk about a second incursion, which I don't think happened, or that some of that bloodline was brought on through the wives of Noah. And there's an interesting story about Noah um, uh, after the flood, where he basically cursed, uh, I believe it was Canaan. His grandson, and a lot of people think it was because Canaan had already shown signs through his mother of this potential bloodline, mm-hmm. and and that's how they made it across to the to this side of the flood. So a lot of interesting stuff there. As you know, Matt Long, there's this time for the last few years by some many, including your host here. For what it's worth, I don't know what I'm talking about. This is called a great awakening, what's going on here. People are mm-hmm. waking up, and could it be part of the spiritual uh, growth that we're going through t- so we can survive, right? So we can survive mm-hmm. and say, whoa, well, maybe I don't believe this, I don't believe this, I don't believe this. And the cleansing and the great reset and all this thing, this is just God's in motion, and uh, that's... I think it's cool. I'm excited. I'm not worried about any of it myself. Yeah, it's interesting. If you think about the movie The Matrix, when he finally made it back to the architect, and the architect says, well, this is the seventh seventh time this has happened. You know, the anomaly always makes its way back here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, super, super interesting to speculate on. I, I tend to think that, you know, the Bible tells us about kind of our, our time and, and this version, um, again total speculation beyond anything that uh, relates to our realm you know yeah yeah this could also be what uh, you know biblical folks and uh, christians have talked about the second coming as well it could Mm -hmm. could be a metaphorical kind of thing and not necessarily that this man jesus is going to come back and in a body possible yeah, I've I've heard that I've heard that as well. I tend to take just because my cosmology is more literal, I tend to take the other stuff literal as well. But we definitely, you know, I think the word apocalypse it means right. awakening, right? I mean, does it mean awakening? Um, ah. Yeah, and so it's less of like a, uh, you know, uh, you know, in time destruction scenario as opposed to a, 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 a like I said, an awakening at a. Uh, Daniel says that knowledge will be increased in the last days, and um, I think we're there. And I think the way to shut it down is to try to do a sure. reset and mm-hmm. um, kill off a bunch of people and try to erase it. Oh, well, knowledge is increasing. I mean, look, we're getting we're getting stuff from God knows where, <laughs> God knows where, mm-hmm. all the yeah. time, right? We all do this intuition, this still voice within, whatever you want to call it, and it's increasing. I mean, we just are. It's, I, I know it in my writing, in my book, in my screenplays. I don't know where this stuff comes from. And I'm just, a, you know, I just hang out here and just wait, you know, ask. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, same, I'm sure. Um, from Lee Leonard, what does your guest think Satan is and does he exist? Great question. Yeah, I think Satan exists. I think he is... Um, he is the serpent in the garden, and I think his job, he is the enemy. I think he's an actual 
I think he's an actual person. I think that, um, again, I, I take it literally. I think, I think the end time scenario that, that Revelation describes uh, is how God eventually deals with him. And I think he is, um, I think he's a physical character in this whole thing. Hmm. But if God really wanted to croak Satan, he or she or it, whatever God is, would just do it anyway. It, couldn't Satan be around just to help us to learn and how to how to navigate around him and be creative and get stronger? I, th- I think there's a lot of what ifs, but I, I do think that God's plan is perfect. And because it's perfect, I'm not smart enough to figure the whole thing out. <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> good, for, good for you. So a uh, couple more things before we go here. Um, let's see. Shelly wants to know, can your guest explain the moon phases and how, how do these shapes appear differently? Sure. So normal science or the, the heliocentric model would say that the position of the moon with relation to the sun, sun. Is what creates the phases. I would actually say the same thing, except they say that the moon is reflecting the light of the sun. I think the moon is giving off its own light. And if we think of this thing as an electromagnetic powered um, uh, system that we live in we know for sure it we can make things levitate through electromagnetics and things like that I, I think it's I think it's pretty easily provable that the the earth is a magnet and that we can not only power things with the earth but um, create very interesting systems and so that being said it's possible that the sun is a great source of power and um, I've seen very uh, some very interesting deals where people will create these huge um, and I tried to think of the word earlier but I can't think of it now but if you think of these glass bulbs that have all kinds of electric uh, currents running through it you can see them especially when you turn off the lights they're very pretty I've seen people create large extremely large things of these where they they walk into it with a light bulb and the light bulb turns on wirelessly without any connection there and so I think the moon is essentially a type of light bulb and that's probably I think that's pretty easily provable by just looking at it so if you look at the pictures of the Apollo astronauts supposedly walking on the moon it's a dull gray dust bowl but when you look up in the sky it's a literal light bulb that you could actually read by on on a full moon and so i think the phases are tied to the location of the sun because i think the sun is a power source and not because that it's actually reflecting light well there's lots of evidence you know our one of our specialties is natural healing matt long and lots of evidence to the benefits of just getting the sun on your skin vitamin d is just one of them and you know absolutely and and just to elaborate on my you know my consensus is that the moon is self-illuminating which means that its phases can be self-phasing self-phasing sure self-phasing self-phasing i mean if it can do that it can right and there wasn't any light on the moon during this alleged moon landing was there what was what was that about yeah it wasn't it didn't (laughs) look like they were walking on a light bulb that's for sure (laughs) oh you know, I, I, and then um, I wanted to ask you about, is there, was there such a thing as a space station? Is there, did you see where they're going to they're gonna end it next year and also the Russians? Yeah. Are, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting that the, they're going to decommission it. Decommission it, you know, yeah. I have seen supposedly a light in the sky 
as it goes over my head that is supposedly the International Space Station. I've also seen, not personally, but I have seen video of people supposedly capturing its transit across the sun or the moon where Crow, you can actually Crow see seven, the, seven, the shape. Seven, right? yeah, Crow yeah, seven. You can actually see a shape that looks like the International Space Station uh, going up there. That, to me, none of that outweighs the times that I've seen astronauts wearing harnesses, the <laughs> astronauts dropping things that fall straight down and don't float, In gravity, um, astronauts, right? <laughs> astronauts disappearing, astronauts attempting to do a front or backflip and getting caught up in their harnesses, scuba gear uh, in space, bubbles in space. So is there something up there? Possibly. Why all the lies if it is what they say it is? Um, I actually think that there it's possible potentially even without there being outer space, I think it's possible that things can be weightless above a certain point. If, if we live on an electromagnetic uh, flat plane, and so it's electricity that pulls and magnetism that pulls something down, the further away you get from that, the less likely, the, it's possible that you could get to a point and float, just like you would be going into space and keeping up a certain speed in order to remain quote unquote weightless or in orbit. And, and space is only delineated by an imaginary line called the Kármán line, which is at 100 kilometers or 62.5 miles. I believe there's plenty of room above that line to exist in what's called space, but not leave the system and not go into outer space. Yeah. So at some point, I do believe the, the pull back to the, the plane down low becomes less and you could actually put something up there. And I actually even believe in something called a horizontal refraction, which if you're up that high and you're looking down through the atmosphere, it's actually going to bend all the corners down and may even look like you're on a ball. So I think it may uh. be possible to send astronauts up there and they think they're above the sphere of the earth and they don't even have to lie about it because they're up there experiencing weightlessness and they're actually seeing a curve. And so I, I think these things are possible um, to the point that they don't even have they to it. convince they, people yeah. to lie about yeah. it. Right, they believe it. Oh, so oh. there's a something, I thought the, the curvature was all done with a fisheye lens, but not so. You could actually- I think it's enhanced. I think it's enhanced with, with the, the fisheye fish lens. lens. I, I think I think also if you're above, if you draw a, cir a big enough circle on the ground as you go up, um, the circle you know you're going to be seeing you see in 360 degrees which is going to make your outsides uh bend down anyways so i think um i think it's possible to not only live here on on the flat earth and not know it but maybe even go up above the carmen line and still experience a flat earth and not know it i've also witnessed video matt long where if you get up into a a real fast kind of super airplane and you get a speed and you dip the nose that you can initiate anti-gravity for about 30 seconds or so. Sure, And, and they sure. take pictures so of people floating around in that. Yep, yep. NASA has their zero-G plane, which they call the Vomit Comet. The Vomit Comet? A, is that what it is? Yeah, it takes, it takes a parabolic trajectory. So it goes up and then ah. it hits its peak, shuts its engine off, and it drops down. And you experience simulated microgravity, meaning that you're falling at the same rate that your vessel's falling. So in relation to the vessel, which has no windows, 
you feel weightless. What you don't realize is you're falling at the same rate that the, that the plane oh, is. Is that what it is? Okay. And what's interesting is that is exactly what Blue Origin does when it shoots people into space. So it takes an enormous parabolic uh, trajectory, which is the same as the zero G plane. So when it shoots people up, hmm. And when they get to that peak and start to fall, they can undo their seatbelt, float around. Take pictures of it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so I think they're going to be experiencing simulated microgravity. So they think they're in space, which they are technically because they're above the Kármán line. And they may even experience her horizontal refraction where it looks like they're above a ball and not a pizza. So hmm. again, another thing that allows people to believe we live on a spinning ball flying through space without actually having to be in one. Hmm. So the idea that there is no gravity with the Copernicus thing, um, you're suggesting if you get high enough, there must be some gravity if you can experience anti-gravity. So I think um, gravity is a myth. Um, I think you need gravity in a system where you're where you live on a ball and you don't want things to fly off that ball and you want that ball to revolve around other balls in our system we can experience up down and a pull down with just electromagnetics and we can see that because we can resist that using magnets and have things levitate so i think you can get a force up and down through electromagnetics without having to have gravity i think gravity is a myth i think newton even had his doubts about the existence of gravity one of my favorite stories about how they say they've proved gravity is through the existence of something called gravity waves they created this um, large array in either arizona or new mexico i think it was called liga where they strung all these telescopes together and they said they were observing two black holes orbiting each other a billion light years away so just for some perspective the sun is eight light minutes away so if you want to find a light year, you have to multiply that distance by 65,000. Then you multiply it times a billion to get to a billion light years. Okay. Then you turn out the lights because they're black holes. You can't actually see them. And so they say that these black holes collided and created this wave of gravity waves, which they say everything gives off gravity waves, even the moon, though they didn't detect it from the moon. They detected it from two black holes a billion light years away. And they say that they detected ripples in space-time as these things collided. And the amount of space-time that they say was affected was measured to be less than the diameter of the nucleus of an atom. And they say that that proves that gravity waves exist and thus gravity exists. So if you if you can believe all that, then yeah, maybe you you you'd believe we live on a spinning ball flying through space. But if you just, you know, decide to believe your senses and that all this is just a bunch of mumbo jumbo, then yeah, yeah maybe you're better off as a flat earther. Yeah. Um okay, final question, then we'll let you go. Uh well two more. So this idea of satellites, uh people argue that NASA is one of the biggest purchaser of helium and all these satellites, Elon Musk and this his new uh, system, what is it, Earthlink or just balloons? Yeah, Skylink. Uh, Sky, uh, no, Earthlink, isn't it? Earthlink? It, maybe it's Earthlink. Earthlink, something like that. Is, does that make sense to you? Is, yeah, so it's a fact that NASA is the, the biggest consumer of helium in the world. There's a NASA balloon facility near you in Palestine, Texas, that, where they do a lot of that stuff. They, Strangely enough, they launch a lot of their balloons mm-hmm. in Antarctica, like another weird in, in, thing. In, in, Ar- in Antarctica? During, really? during the Antarctic summer, 
which um you know if you picture the dome being lower at the corners where antarctica would be maybe it's a logical place to start and get it sent up into the jet stream i have no idea but i do know that in the 1957 encyclopedia americana it talked about them finding a dome in antarctica at the 80 parallel south and it was i think they said it was only like uh somewhere between 10 and twenty thousand feet there maybe thirty thousand feet but um i mean because it's down at the bottom i was down at the yeah yeah yeah. right right so um are all the balloons up there uh are all the satellites balloons it's possible i tend to think that you there is actually a point below the firmament where something could be weightless but it doesn't have to do with gravity and it has more to do with getting that balance of the electromagnetic system that we live in so there's there's a lot of cool little models of basically these magnets that people have charged and um, shows them doing circles above a flat plane, which I think is more uh, more accurate with what's, what's yeah. happening. So yeah. they'll, they'll actually launch something up there. They'll actually get it into that perfect equilibrium and let it spin around us. So I, yeah, I guess you could just have a some kind of a thing that's actually a satellite with no balloon circling yeah. around, right? You could. Yep. Yep. And so, but I, I do think that maybe the geostationary satellites, the ones that are supposedly not moving in relation to their location on the earth, those could be balloons. Um, those could even be attached to the firmament. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, I think it's interesting. I've been kind of following the earthlink thing because I'd like to get it here on the country and he's kind of going section by section. I mean, if we Mm -hmm. were spinning satellites around this imaginary spinning earth, why would you why would you go section by section of the country to to activate it it doesn't that yeah, doesn't even hard, make it, sense it's hard to really grasp how that how that works exactly yeah, yeah that doesn't make sense um i had one other thing oh yeah so i've been really thinking about this and i get a little i get a few hits on facebook where people think i'm just bonkers and and i'm nice to them and i understand you know i'm I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything but um can you talk a little bit about from a spiritual perspective or even biblical how it's possible that if we have believed something so long that it's just not possible to change right it's just it's just embedded in the mind and it's not going to go anywhere unless somebody has a spiritual awakening maybe yeah that's that's really tough i've often thought like you can't say to the wrong thing to the right person you can't say the right thing to the wrong person on something like this Yeah, yeah it really depends how much credence they've given and how much um like you said spiritually how much room they've allowed these narratives to control their lives and one of my buddies who's a big uh studier of spiritual warfare and programming in general really when he came into this he saw what how much actual programming there had been with the globe with the ball and you know we like to say no one likes having their ball taken away right (laughs) even starting at one years old so it is it's tough because you went to a classroom when you were five and there was a globe in there yep you watched movies with the universal studios logo showing showing the spinning earth and it's something that we've grown up with as fact and to challenge that is tough i think the big thing is that people don't understand 
we can literally experience the same thing they say we're supposed to experience as uh, with a spinning ball as we would experience yeah. with the flat earth yeah. i think when you hear the words flat earth you think oh i'm going to sail the ship off the edge fall off in infinite space and it's just simply not what we believe and i think that's purposeful because they they want to make one they want to make the spinning ball a fact and they want to make anything else sound kooky and and i think they've done a really good job of doing that so it's difficult um i personally don't think it's a i don't think it's a salvation issue for someone who's a current christian because they've they've got their salvation but i do know in my 20s that it was the spinning ball heliocentric ever expanding universe big bang model that kept <laughs> me from believing the bible because really? because huh. because because that and page one of the bible don't jive they're not even close they're direct opposites and so why would i read page two if page one looked like children's fairy tale things so for me it was a salvational issue the um the heliocentric model was to me proven and it's what disproved the existence of god so there have been many people that coming into flat earth have gotten a revelation that like wow god does exist and then seeing oh the bible describes this exactly and it's brought them to jesus which has been amazing cool there are, but there are people who are christians who see this as a distraction because flat earth sounds stupid that are highly against taking in what i think is the literal biblical uh view of of the shape of this place and i think people are missing out because i think it it doesn't hinder your walk it helps your walk it brings you closer god is closer physically and spiritually, spiritually. closer yeah so yeah. if you're on hold stay there and i'm going to get to you and i i have this theory too that as soul spiritual beings we kind of know what the truth is i know that right i know it. it's in your it's it's embedded it's in you. embedded in us and so when we're living a lie that we know is a lie but we just don't have the courage the wherewithal the energy faith whatever it is to dig into the truth that we get sick and we yeah. age and i think this is it's uh, I, th I think that's how it works i really do yeah i mean the bible talks about in revelation um it gives a list of people that are not going to make it into the heavenly city and ah. the first people on that list are cowards oh which is it goes right along with what you're talking about and the implications of allowing fear into your life because the bible says in matthew 6 not to worry of course it, it, and so course. it's that's not that's not one of the things we should be plaguing ourselves with we should be we should be moving on to bigger and better things as opposed to worrying and, and being fearful and and you're absolutely correct because my revelation with the flat earth was exactly like that i watched one video and i it was like i got punched in the chest <laughs> and i thought oh my goodness this is truth i can't believe i've been wrong for so long because i took i took college level astronomy physics wow. um uh engineer you know engineering calculus like i was i i was a space nerd like i thought all that stuff was really awesome and it it wrecked my world immediately i then spent a couple years trying to make sure i wasn't done before i started talking about it but it was like you said it felt like the truth was in there and the two got plugged in 
reality and what I subconsciously knew to be true. And once that got plugged in, it was like, wow. It was like I was reconnected with the truth, which Jesus claims to be the truth. So it was almost, and and the Bible says, oh, he's the creator. So it was like I got immediately plugged back in to my creator. <laughs> it was, it was a, a very spiritual moment. Very spiritual moment. Let's go to this call. Uh, hi there. This is uh, One Radio Network. Uh, what's your name? You're on the air. Hey, Patrick, Sean, and Sharon. How are you? We're good. What's up, kids? They live up in yeah. Seattle, regular listeners of ours. Matt, what's yeah. up? You got a question? I do. Hey, Matt, I got into the show today a little bit later, but it was perfect timing for me to uh, segue into my question. Um, so, uh, Sean and I have seven kids, five adults, wow. raised them, Christian, and um, so... One of my children um, has all the background of you, you know, the physics, the astronomy, all that. And he's in his 20s. He's 23. Caleb Joshua is his name, so you can do the math there. <laughs> um, and so there's this, there's this holding on to that programming. to defend it at all costs. I mean, I didn't even hear from him for Mother's Day yesterday because of this topic. Wow. Um, hmm. He... He has, he has so convinced himself that I am just out in left field and um, has so much to defend it. So my question to you with that knowledge, being 23 where you're at, and so into the round earth and so into the physics, the dynamics, the measurement of the earth, the curvature, all that stuff, what, what is the... Um, the counteract to that other than loving someone where they're at and and time and prayer and everything else i mean like at okay the end of the yeah day, we got it matter? yeah we got yeah. it yeah hey, that's a good question does it really matter so matt you have kids your advice yeah so well the story of joshua joshua is his middle name right caleb joshua the story of joshua where god uh, you know joshua asked god to, for the sun to stand still is a great it's a great story in the Bible that is a, a highly pro flatter model story, but it sounds like that he, the indoctrination level of him, just because of the higher level um, classes that he's taken, have really taken a hold. And honestly, I was so narcissistic in my early twenties. I don't know, like. I was the type of guy where someone came to tell like, Jesus loves me. Hey, Jesus loves you would not have worked on me because I was too sophisticated for that. I was too smart for that. But when I started reading about the reliability of the Bible and the fact that um, I, I believe that I, previous to that, I didn't think you could be a smart person and believe the Bible. I thought the Bible was a crutch for weak people is exactly how I viewed it. But when I started to understand the the implications that um what if the bible is true because of some actual physical evidence that i was looking at if the bible is true well then i have to decide am i going to change my life because of that am i going to believe something because it's in the bible regardless of what the world is telling me so it may be that flat earth is just too much for him to bite off at first he may need some instruction on the Bible actually being true, because he may say, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, but he doesn't, he, he may think he has to separate his faith from, 
from actual, like, here's the thing, like if something's true, it's provable. That's one thing I learned. If something is claimed to be truth, then you can prove it. At the very least, you can prove it to yourself. And that's what I did with the Bible. And so I'd recommend buying this book (laughs) because not only does it talk about the shape of the earth and, but it all, and from a biblical perspective, but it also talks about reasons why that's physically provable. It also has a chapter on the reliability of the Bible, similar to what I spoke to Patrick about earlier. And if you can get him to understand, hey, not only is the Bible true, but it's provably true, then he can start to adopt a mindset of, okay, the Bible's true no matter what the world says. What else does the Bible say? And to me, that's... um, that is a trip that he that's a road he needs to go down first and we need to work on like true salvation first and true belief in the word of god and then move on to kind of some more secondary doctrine because i do believe the flat earth is a secondary doctrine as opposed to the as opposed to the primary doctrine that jesus was the son of god died for our sins rose again and if you don't get my book definitely get the case for christ by lee strobel because that is, it's the best one out there as far as being written from, it's written from the standpoint of Lee Strobel being an atheist and trying to disprove, one, the existence of God, and he ends up becoming a, a born-again Christian, and now he's one of the greatest Bible apologists alive. So, um, okay, yeah, right. that'd be my recommendation. Sure. Uh, before we go, Sharon, I just well, a, a very simple, common thing, just uh, bring us down to earth here with kids and, and uh um, I think you'll find that the the more that you let go of the idea that you're right, he's gonna he'll loosen up, and I wouldn't try to convince him of anything. Just love him unconditionally, which means doesn't matter what he believes. And I think your life will improve with the relationship. I agree one hundred percent. My my thing for Matt here is uh, in rebuttal, real quick. Um, he read Case for Christ at age nine. Wow. He was taking apologetic, apologetics classes at hmm. eight and nine. So the knowledge that he has of the Bible is inside, outside, upside down. And I can't even defend the Bible with him because he's got it so ingrained in him. Which that's, um, Kudos to him. What is it specifically for you on that intellectual level that you either read or saw that was like, oh, okay, maybe I do need to absorb this, or is that just maturity when you got past 25 to 30? I don't know. Yeah, it, I think it's probably a maturity thing. He's far ahead of where I was at 23. Yeah, um, he'll be I fine. think, yeah. yeah, for me, it was pictures of the earth. Like, there are no photos of the earth. They're all computer-generated images. And to me, that's one of the hardest things to understand as, oh, like, if we've got all the space exploration yet we can't get far enough away to get a photo of, of Earth from space. And um, and then come to find out that all of the quote unquote, well, they're images, they're not photos. Images are created, photos are taken. They're all images of Earth. To find out that like, we actually can't take a photo of the place that we live, that it's all been created by artists. Same with all the other um, high resolution images out there of uh, planets and and things like that, that NASA actually employs uh, visualization experts is what they're called. Actually employs these people to 
come up with stuff to meet people's expectations of what space looks like. The fact that NASA employs people like this is, uh, it was a big one for me. Yeah. And Sharon, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one because, I mean, think about it. I don't understand if NASA is so trying to prove that the Earth is round, okay, just turn Hubble around or get in your space station and take a picture, real picture, no computer, and show us. They yeah. obviously can't do that because it doesn't exist, and it's as simple as that. Well, like my dad always said, you know what? Raising kids is like flying a kite. <laughs> you let them go up, and then when you need to pull it down, you pull the range. That's right. In. That's when right. It could be about 18. You got to let it go and let it float. And um, so That's we right. love them. We, we let them go. We pray, and timing and maturity is everything. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit and the creator of our soul speaks to us better than anybody else candidly, right? I believe you're on it, yeah. girl. You're all, on it. All my kites are really <laughs> low right now, so I look up to you as someone who's raising seven and uh, yeah. has some children in their 20s. So you would definitely well, have five some things to teach me. Good for five you. Five are married. Yeah, well, five congrats, are married, cause it's, so. it, it's hard to marry people off these days. There's not a lot of <laughs> marriageable right. people out there. They all made good choices. I will definitely get your book. Okay. Uh, blessings to you. Yeah. And uh, you'll be in my prayers for uh, more um, more faith than this world wants people to have and walking in less fear and embracing faith. So, there you go. Thank you. Blessings to you, brother. Hey, may the blessings awesome. be to Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, the the, uh, the must thing is Starlink. I was close. Starlink. Starlink. There Starlink. You go. And that's what... Um, that's what they're putting up, and he'll probably a great idea. I mean, he's a pretty good businessman. You know, he's just gonna make more money, right? <laughs> Seems to be. He's got a knack for getting government money. That's for sure. Well, you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I got a theory, Matt, that you just don't even become a Bezos or a Zuckerberg or a Google's or you know a Musk unless yeah. they 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 give you a whole bunch of money. And I'm sure there's a lot of fine print there that you're never gonna learn about, right? I think there's a considerable amount of fine print. I think you're right. Do you think that's uh, where the term soul, selling your soul to the devil comes from? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Probably so. so. There, Hollywood, wherever. So where do where do all, I keep having all these questions, sorry to keep you so long, but where do all these rockets go? Do they just go up and make a turn and go in the ocean? Yeah, there's there's a lot of photographic, you know, um, what would you call it? Long exposure photograph footage of these rockets making these large arches. And, you know, NASA says, well, that's them shooting into a, a circular orbit. Um, but most of us think they're just shooting it out into the Bermuda Triangle and, <laughs> and dropping them out there. Dropping them out there, yeah. And uh, David even had some cool videos, uh, Flat Earth Dave, about that some of these uh, launches are just CGI stuff, too. You don't even know these days. I mean, if Hollywood can do it, can NASA do it? $30 billion a year budget? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, they have, It's like $60 million a day or something like that is, is what they get. And Dave's also got some incredible stuff on thinking that a lot of these rockets are actually structural balloons. Which, really? Yeah, which would also you know, justify the them being the largest consumer of helium in the world. Uh -huh. Last question. Now, who are some of the uh, flat earthers uh, other than Dave Weiss that you recommend people if they want to explore more? Sure. Um, there's 
there were a lot of great people out there. Obviously, Dave is the one I recommend most because he spends, I think, the most time on it. He's Every got day. his incredible, his incredible app, the Flatter Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app. It's the longest name in the App Store, probably. <laughs> He's got even uh, that. And that app also has a channel which has incredible playlists on it. So if you go to that Flatter Sun Moon Zodiac Clock app YouTube channel and click on playlists, they've got he's got 20, 30 videos for each of the the common questions. Wow. That's where I always send people to. Um, I used to really like a guy by the name of Dean Odell. Uh, he's actually running for governor of Alabama. Dean Odell. Um, How do you Dean spell his last name? O D L E. Never heard of him. He is a pastor from Alabama. He actually married my wife and I, and he is one of the best researchers out there, but his YouTube channel was deleted. So now um, I think you have to find him on Rumble. And because he's running for governor, I think he probably hasn't re-uploaded a lot of his flat earth stuff very quickly, which is understandable because it's it's obviously a high um, conflict subject. People would much rather sure, interview sure. him about that instead of actually what he wants to do for the state of Alabama. But um, if I lived in Alabama, I'd vote for him. He is by far the best candidate for the job. Hmm. Um, there is obviously my channel, uh, Matt Long Texas, on any of, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Telegram, and then. Um, there's some good documentaries that have come out. One is called Level. Yeah. Uh, another one is called Level 2022 or The Next Level 2022. Those are some great documentaries, which I'm not sure because those things get put up and taken down so much, you got to kind of find them. Um, I would just highly recommend not going to YouTube, typing in Flat Earth and start watching videos because we know the algorithm uh, <laughs> promotes authoritative content, quote unquote. So, um, uh, I used to have a, a great playlist on my site called Flat Earth Classics that had maybe 20 videos in it and has gradually dwindled down to one. They've all either been taken down oh. or channels have been deleted. Yeah. It's been it's been unbelievable. Yeah. So we're gonna have a Google guy on tomorrow who's a whistleblower. We'll ask him about how, how they do that. And and that's a great point. Just don't put Flat Earth into Google and YouTube because. The first 400 will be all um, yeah. documentary definitely saying why go, it's not good. Definitely don't go to the Flat Earth Society. You know, I, that's, I right. that's that's a joke um, of of a site and really is only out there to make us look dumb. So so you got a lot of cool things on your Instagram, Telegram, UB2B channel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think best place to find all my content would be my YouTube channel. Just, Google, just search Matt Long on YouTube, Matt Long Flat Earth. It'll pop up. And that's where the majority of my stuff is. I do answer anyone that messages me on Instagram. I, I answer them immediately at Matt Long Texas. So just hop on there if you got any questions and want to contact me or want to want to put anything together, an event or anything like that. I'm happy to do that. Oh, that's cool. So, um, so YouTube. Oh, so so there's. There is some still good stuff up there, right? I mean, they're letting you do your thing for now. Huh? Yeah, the, I've, I've not been taken down. I've, the only thing I've really gotten strikes for is um, when I was doing some Trump stuff. Yeah. Um, anytime I put up a video that had the word Trump in it, it was immediately taken down. Yeah. Um, anytime I've put anything about, um, you know, getting a jab or anything like that, it's been taken down and I've gotten strikes for. So sure. the reason I would love to just be on one platform, but inevitably something's going to get taken down and I need to be able to let people know 
where I am. So the the, the thought is that maybe I'd start a podcast as well in the next couple of weeks and um, start throwing that on some kind of podcast platform. But again, it's you got to have time to do all this, and you know you have six working and, children. You have, you have and, six and a half kids. I mean, I don't know how yeah, you do that. Yeah, so just. <laughs> Just running out of time in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think about my mom with seven kids, and uh, oh my God, and she was just uh, happy all the time. Never got sick. Yeah. Never got sick. Washed clothes. We had clean clothes every day for school. I went to a Catholic school, yeah, right? Amazing. Blue pants and white shirt, and that's what she did. And uh, yeah, she she says I. I can't get sick. I don't have time for it. I just don't have time for it. Right. <laughs> and she exactly just never right. was sick till way, you know, 90 or something like that. Wow. Yeah, so it's just, uh, I think about her and cry, and it's her birthday tomorrow, so I'm going to be talking yeah, to happy her. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. No, we'll show you where you are, but it's great. All right, brother, I love you. Thank you. Really pleasure. It was just great fun. Look at us, two and a half hours. Oh, my God. Yeah, amazing. Oh it was a lot of fun. I yeah. appreciate you having me on. Oh, really a pleasure, and all the best to you and all your little ones. And uh, when is the new one going to pop out there? December. 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 Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and we'll have all of your links, Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, YouTube on this show page. So if you're listening to the audio, just look at the show page, and Lynn will get all those up there. You take care of yourself. May the blessings be. Yeah. Yeah, you too. Let's meet up in real life sometime. Yeah, that's sir. Yeah, you were close by. We'll we'll do it. Yeah. Th- thanks, Matt. Thank, All right. Th- see thank ya. Bye bye. Matt Long, what a nice guy, huh? Really cool. Cool stuff. Yeah, I can remember the day, you know, I'm at, you know I have my own spiritual path and um that I was kind of I don't know, even thought that the Bible wasn't right and all that, but I'm way over that, you know. It's it's all it's, God is God, so you can have an issue with the, the words, but it's all the same thing, in my opinion. And and I think this is going to be real necessary for all of us as we move forward, so we don't argue with people we don't need to be arguing with, and just get along doesn't matter what the different words are. It is what it is. The truth will set you free. All right, kids, we're going to talk about uh, Googles tomorrow and also um, a Google whistleblower and uh, try to understand how they can actually do all these algorithms and stuff. And then also Melissa Sell, if you're interested in the soul-mind-body connection of healing and disease with Melissa Sell. That'll be tomorrow at noon with Melissa and our Google whistleblower at 10 o'clock. Thanks for your support. If you need some products and that you'd want to help to improve your life, we have some of the best ever. Check it out on our website, oneradionetwork.com. We really do uh, use everything that we promote. And not that that matters, but uh, we know all the people So we have taken our trademark Know the Source on steroids to another level. And um, so thanks for your support. I love you all. Take care. May the blessings be. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.